Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Scran, a podcast dedicated to Scottish food and drink. In this episode, I'm going to speak to Rachel Barry, a master blender for Benria, Glenglassa and Glendronach distilleries in the north of Scotland. Rachel's been in the industry for more than 20 years and was one of the first female master blenders, so I'm really looking forward to hearing about her job, how she got into the industry and what might surprise us all about what she does on a day-to-day basis. Rachel and I are also going to be doing a tasting, which I'm also looking forward to, not just for the whiskey. I think it's going to be really fascinating to find out from Rachel about how she created the two jams we're going to try and also discuss their colour, their smell and how they taste. This week we've got Master Blender Rachel Barry in the studio. Hello. Hi. So as we've discussed, you are a Master Blender for, is it three distilleries? Yes, Benriac, Glendronach and Glenglassa, all in the northeast of Scotland. So for anyone who doesn't really know what that job would entail, what, how would you describe it? Uh, it's a bit like being Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I suppose. You have to make the whiskey, which involves everything from deciding on the character of the, the, the spirit of the still right through to selecting the casks for maturation and then selecting the, the whiskey for, for people to, to taste at home in, in their bottles, in their cases. So it's a, it's a very enriching job and lots of variety. I imagine that, I mean, for anyone that doesn't really know the whiskey industry, you've been you've been doing it quite a long time. And you were, am I right in saying that you were one of the first female master blenders? I think I was one of the first, absolutely. Got the title in 2003. Been in the industry for 20 years. So it's it's been a wonderful journey. And being one of the first female master blenders, did you find any challenges with that? Or did you find it was quite sort of like, as you say, enriching or... Good with the bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now I can say it was absolutely all good. (laughs) Um, At the time, of course, there's challenges, but that's as much because you're kind of, you're young and you're learning and and you're meeting lots of new people. And, you know, it's just like any job, I think you have to to learn to manage diversity and and understand people in general. So I don't think it was any more difficult than it was for anyone else, to be honest. So you've said that uh, the distilleries are in the northeast of Scotland. Is that where you're from? Did you grow up near there? I think I've read in another interview, it's near your home and your dad drank, is it Glendronach? So how important for you was it to sort of head back up that way? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it was it was lovely. I mean, obviously, you can tell by my dulcet tones that I come from the northeast. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, my family roots go back centuries, and I was brought up very close to Glendronach. I was about 10, 15 minutes away, and uh, was in the young farmers there, for example, and also at uh, Glenglassa. I used to learn to surf with my dad as well because uh, he was a surfer, and also at Benriac, I learned to glide. So I've got a connection to all of them from from a very young age so it's just lovely to go back and really see it all in a fresh light and understand things a lot more than before. And the surfing is that Port Soy? That was Sanden Bay. Oh yeah. Which is very close to Port Soy so Sanden Bay is a beautiful beautiful beach which is one of the prime locations for surfing. 
in Scotland. And that's a nice location for that distillery. Oh, it's perfect. I mean, if you see the distillery, it's designed like the waves and it's almost right on the beach. So you couldn't get any more coastal if you tried. And it, it takes on the, the character, you know, the, the gorse and the gannets diving and the dolphins, you know, it, it, it's just beautiful, beautiful. So obviously you've been doing this for a number of years, but did you start out as, when did you start as a whiskey drinker if you indeed did start out as a whiskey drinker? My first sniff was when I was quite young. So I was always enticed by the aromatics. And it was when, I think in 1976, when the Glendronach distillery first opened its visitor centre and I got my first sniff of Glendronach. And I think at that time it was probably an eight-year-old. And my grandmother used to cook with it as well. So it was my first kind of experience. But I didn't really kind of taste whiskey until I was at university and then and then used to have a miniature every week. <laughs> That's all I could afford. But it enabled me to kind of get round lots of distilleries and uh, discover them all. So you didn't have any terrible student memories of drinking a bit too much? No. <laughs> Always moderation, you know, from the northeast, slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> We've mentioned as well that um, in, when you started you were one of the first female master blenders. Do you feel over those uh, 20 odd years that the industry has changed for women at all? I think the industry has really opened its mind to to diversity. I think there's a lot more women in the industry and there's a lot more people from around the world now engaged as well, from different countries, be, you know, the ambassadors and, you know, from Taiwan to LA to, to Madrid. So, you know, there are examples of, of women throughout the industry now, whether it's, you know, being, I'm going to say, stillman, stillwoman, or being in marketing or in finance or, or indeed an ambassador anywhere in the world. So I know up until quite recently, and it has changed recently, it's been seen as quite a old man drink and then things have changed slightly when it's coming into cocktails and that type of thing. So I think that's probably helped as well. I know that I never used to be into whiskey and now I am and quite a few of my friends. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's changed quite a bit as well. But on that note, it's also sort of, am I right in saying that the rules and regulations have slightly relaxed and you can do a bit more when it comes to being innovative? And if so, what's your proudest creation to date? The regulations are there to protect the quality of scotch. You know, it's world-renowned. It's the finest spirit in the world, in my view. And what the regulations do is really give an opportunity to to bring out the best in the spirit character using a variety of, of different casks. And, you know, the industry has already always been able to do that, but it's really kind of, you know, made that formalised and, and and said what the you know the guardrails are as well so we protect the integrity of scotch going forwards innovations i think now in my blood it just <laughs> it's continuous you can't you just can't stop proudest creation today oh my goodness well i've got i've got quite a few with me today i think last year with the the launch of the glendronach 15 year old arrival that was really a little bit of pressure but also you're trying to to really make the, the perfect perfect whiskey and using the tools of different casts to do that is absolutely key so I think Glendonic 15 year old revival and also um, probably the the most recent batch of the, the Benriac Curiositas where I've combined peated stock from Benriac with unpeated and combined rum cast with virgin cast and bourbon barrels and to create um, a taste the richest it possibly could be for me is is what, what it's all about because that encapsulates the character of the distillery obviously you're doing a lot of different innovative things. Do you feel there's a pressure having taken on such popular brands? And if so, how would you handle the pressure? For me, it's it's uh, more about enriching life, I think, because 
it's a challenge, it's an opportunity. And to be honest, we can all choose whether to feel pressure or not. And I choose not to feel the pressure. I choose just to to look forwards and to never stop getting better at what I love I do. I do. You know, it's it's honing the craft. It, it's having a vision. It's you know, picking up on opportunities. It's, it's yeah, it's seeing things first and sharing it with people. And is there any part of your job which might surprise anyone? Oh, I don't know. Every day surprises me. <laughs> Every cask of whiskey has, a, has its own little character. I think, you know, uh, people might be surprised to know that I've nosed, sampled over 150,000 casks, perhaps. That might be surprising. Or that on a day, you know, in, in the space of one hour, just like in at Glen Glasser Distillery on Sand B, where the seasons change in one, uh, one day, if not one hour, one minute I could could be, you know, analysing the stock profile and the inventory and the data and depth and then nosing casks. And then I could be out on a, a speedboat in the middle of Sandown Bay with the, the gannets diving and the dolphins leaping and with journalists or whoever, visitors, chasing whiskey. So that combination might surprise people. It sounds good though. It's great fun. That's what it's all about. It's a great fun job that really stimulates your mind at the same time. Just a little fun, quick question called Desert Island Jams. If you had to, or if you could pick three jams that have changed your life, what would you choose and why? Firstly, I've got to go back to my roots because that's where it all starts. It would have to be Glendronic Allardyce, 18 year old, um, would be there because it just is the character of my my dad, uh, my family. It, it, you know, it's it's so true to the the depth of character that, you know, it would always make me, you know, want to keep going, stay strong, have tenacity. If I was there stuck on my own, <laughs> you know, it would be my stronghold. It would be my, you know, it would ground me in that situation and give me strength. I think also... Well, I'm imagining the par- <laughs> the paradise of the desert island now. So, and that just in this moment just transports me to um, a really, really old Glen Glasser, probably because I'm on the beach and Glen Glasser's on the beach, Sand End Bay. And, you know, the, the beauty, I'm actually surrounded by coconut trees and tropical forest as well. And, you know, and looking out onto the horizon and the beautiful sunshine. And it would be Glen Glasser, probably Glen Glasser, 40 or 50 year old, because it tastes like paradise. It's, um, you know, luscious and silky smooth. It's ethereal and it lifts. It's like the holy grail of single malt. The third one, I think, would be Benriac Curiositas because that, again, is another facet of my nature. So I'm a very curious person and I like to work puzzles out. And, and for me, that was a bit of a puzzle, creating that whiskey and putting all the blocks together of peated and unpeated and the rum, the virgin oak and the the bourbon. So yeah, that would give me something to play with. Okay, so now we're going to do a new section for the podcast. Rachel, you'll be our first victim. It's called My Life in Food. And we're just going to ask you some quick fire questions to get a feel for your relationship with food and drink. It's five questions and we're going to go. So what food brings back childhood memories? Um, Clusy dumpling. Oh, nice. If you had an hour to cook a meal for yourself, what would you make? Oh, I think it would be um, just an hour. Oh, God, that's quite a long time. My goodness. Probably would be a, a lovely Italian pasta with Marsala wine, I think. What's your food guilty pleasure? Oh, chocolate fondue with fruit dipped in. <laughs> You're in a bar at 1am. What drink do you order? Oh, 1am. My goodness. What type of bar is it? 
<laughs> Your favorite bar. <laughs> My favorite bar. Oh gosh, there's so many. Okay, okay. Let me just imagine. I'm in the grass market at the bull bar. Let me think what's there. Oh yeah, it probably would be uh, yeah a really old Glen Glasgow because I know they've got a bottle of Glen um 40 year old there. <laughs> which you're going to steal for your Desert Island desk. Which I am. Which I'm going to steal for my Desert Island dram and I'm going to speak very nicely to um, to, to the, the bartender. <laughs> and finally, if you knew it was going to be your last ever meal, what would you have? Oh my goodness, the last supper. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Oh dear me. How long have we got? I think I'd have to have a banquet, a feast of every single taste I've experienced on this earth. I think that would be, I I cannot dissect it. This is the problem. And I think it would be with everyone that I've met on the journey, everyone taking a bite. What would be in it? Everything from Fungli Shu in Taiwan to, you know, Japanese sushi, (laughs) to Clutie Dumpling, to um, French patisserie, um, to Spanish olives. You know, it would just be a little taste of the whole richness of the journey. And that's going to take some chef. Yeah, well, it would take a lot of gathering, I think, a lot of foraging around the world to to find all the ingredients that I've tasted, been lucky to taste. And then I'd like to share it with the world as well. I am now lucky enough to be doing a, a tasting with Rachel and we've got a Glen Glassa and a Glendronach single malt here. So will we get started? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think well, I think we should start with the, the Glen Glassa out at sea. It's uh, Glen Glassa is obviously on Sandem Bay in the northeast of Scotland, right on the on the coast. And I'll just pour a dram for us both and uh, then, then I can introduce you to it. Thank you. There we go. Now we've both got a dram. This this one is um, batch two at uh, 44% and it's non-chill filtered and natural colour. So everything is natural, you know, just like being on the shore where the distillery is um, right on the beach. And and what makes this one special is obviously it's Glen Glasser, So it is a beautiful balance of land and sea. That's what Glen Glasser is really all about. Per mare per terras is our are seeing, which means by sea and by land. And with this one, I've used a range of different octaves. And if you wonder what an octave is, it's a very, very small cast. So it's it's one eighth, hence an octave, of the size of a of a butt, which is 500 litres. So so this is one eighth of 500 litres, which is about 65 litres. I'm in size, so just a baby cask. And put different octaves together from different types of previous use. So from virgin oak to sherry wood to um, to bourbon, etc., have been combined. And I think this really brings to life the character of Glen Glasser. So let's see what we find. When we know it's whiskey, obviously you have a quick look at the colour first because your eye always goes first before you, you dip your noses in. Use all your senses and you can see that the swirls on the, the side of the glass. looks like the waves, just enticing you, bringing you in. And then when you nose it, just the first thing we would do would be to, to nose it whiskey before we taste just because your nose is doing most of the work so 90% of what you taste is actually from your nose so uh, and you would find that out if you you hold your nose and, and at the top and um, take a taste and and, and then open your, you know, take your fingers away and you'll notice that it really does change how you perceive the whiskey so uh, nose first oh, and that takes me straight to Sand NB 
I don't know. <laughs> have you ever been to San Dimbeiros? I have, yeah. It's lovely. Beautiful. And um, you, you kind of get all seasons in one glass as well. So um, one minute you might get the the beautiful sunshine on San Dimbeiros. It's almost tropical. Um, baked pineapple. Oh, salted caramel ice cream. Ah, it's just leaping out of the glass for me. <laughs> now you've said that, yeah. <laughs> it's salt, but it's sweet. You know, salted caramel, one of my favourite foods. And, and that beautiful intensity of the, the sweetness of the oak. You know, the little tiny casts are almost bringing out this caramelisation, this sweet, sweet, sweet fruit. And it just reminds me of a sweetie shop on Sand N B that I used to go to as a child. And it had all these wonderful, delicious treacle toffees and, and fruit candies. And that's for me what this is like. So without further ado, we should really have a taste. Slangeva, Roz. Slangeva. Slangeva. Mm-hmm. It just rolls like the waves. There's so much going on in here. Oh my goodness. It just doesn't stop. It just goes on and on. One minute you're getting the little spices from the oak cask. And then you're getting the ocean spice that kind of lifts all those oak spices. And then in addition, you're getting the burst of pineapple and grapefruit. And I'm almost getting this lovely toasted coconut. And it just seems to be carried by this luscious silkiness as well. What do you think, Ros? It's lovely. It's really good. I mean, I, I am no expert, but yeah, what you, what you said. No, it's it's really easy to drink. I think if you weren't sure about whiskey, this would be, in my opinion, quite a good one. It's not, you know how people are like, oh, it burns and all this. It's really smooth. It's lovely. It smells really good. I think it's the sweetness as well. And Glenglass has really, I mean, every distillery is unique. Every, every one has its own individual character, just like us. But it, it really does have that coastal, luscious sweetness. It, it just, it brings back so much many memories for me so I hope people enjoy this and go out and uh, go out and try it and, and see what they think so Glenglassa Octaves Batch 2 which is currently out there in the stores lovely thank you very much so that was the uh, Glenglassa so we now have a is it a Glendronach? we have a Glendronach and this is this is very very new so this has just been released at in the past couple of months um, but it's also very very old <laughs> In that it's old style Glendronach as it used to be. So this for me has been quite a journey and it's been magnificent to to really go back into past. Not just my past, but looking back at old photographs and, and getting a sense of what life was like at Glendronach back in the in the nineteenth century and, and that was a very rich experience and you know, old char horses and ploughs and on the on the fields and coal bunkers and, and roots and fruits in the in the walled garden and all of that. And, and you know that sense of what what life was like and what the character of whiskey was like that James Allardyce, who's, who's our founder, would have enjoyed. So that was that's the journey. Um, I'll now share the whiskey. So this is called Glendronic traditionally peated, and it's at forty bottled at forty eight percent alcohol, non chill filtered and natural color. So I'll just pour us both a dram, Ross. Thank you very much. Can I just ask you a quick question for anyone that doesn't know? Non chill filtered. A lot of people say that. What does that mean? Oh, well, that was really the old way, which was that um, you actually let the whiskey just kind of rest and then you filter it, but you don't chill it down. So that keeps the maximum body and depth in the whiskey, a maximum character. Some whis- some whiskies at 40%, for example, are chilled to take out the haze because it would look like a bottle of milk. <laughs> and some people wouldn't like that. So, so this is a way of usually at higher strength, at, you know, 46, 48% to keeping the maximum body and depth in the whiskey because we're not chilling it. Okay, so traditionally peated, 48%. Now, this is a little bit different from the rest of the range for Glendronic, which is it's sherry cast matured, but it's not peated. 
However, this is really something which is a step back in time, as I mentioned. So um, traditionally peated, just as it was in the olden days, where the the barley um, in the maltings at Glendronach was dried, first over kind of coal, like anthracite, very prevalent in that area, and then also local peat, just at the end, just to give it the perfect balance of character and be perfect for the malting process and the distilling process. So this is as it would have been. It's matured in Pedro Jimenez and Oloroso Sherry Cast and also in Port Pipes. So this has been fun playing with this because this is exactly the cast types that would have been brought into Glendronic back in the 19th century when Port and, and Sherry were really at their height of enjoyment, certainly um, here in, in Scotland. So let's have a little uh, sniff and first of all let's look at the colour first of course almost forgot a beautiful deep golden hue looks a bit like honey got a honey gold sort of colour so there's the influence of the sherry casks in particular again a beautiful envelope of liquid around the glass but also really quite thick legs and the legs are kind of give away I suppose the oiliness of the whiskey or the, the lovely mouthfeel you know you're going to have a lovely mouthfeel when you taste this so dip your nose in and see what you think Rose Oh, now, and this is another one that takes me back in time. But this is more back in time because I'm like going back to my generations before me. I feel like a scene of Outlander. <laughs> into Going into the, the granite rocks, the distillery and uh, going back to my great grandparents' time. And, you know, it, 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 the smells of oh, licorice root, angelica, you know, as I say, roots and fruits, very deep and earthy and rich. Oh, some leather in there, warm leather, really warming, and oh, and dark fruits, of course, um, coming through from the port casks, but also from the, the sherry cask, and some dried fruits too, some raisin sultanas. Lots going on in the glass, but it feels like old school whiskey. Feels like a set back in time. Yeah, so let's see what it tastes like. Now, take care, please, because this is at 48%. So, again, just sip and savour. And feel free to add water, of course, as well to your taste. I, I prefer it to try it neat and then add water to taste. So, Slangevar, Ross. Slangevar. Mm, lots going on in here. It's really sweet. Sweet, sweet peat, absolutely. And you, I think you get the dark chocolate. It's almost like the bitterness of the finest dark chocolate, along with them. The very gentle earthiness, but more like angelica root or licorice, like licorice root. That old, it's almost like an old school, you know, old sweetie shop. And then layers and layers of the brambles. Of course, Glendon, it means Valley of the Brambles because there's lots of berries in that area. I used to pick the berries down in the, <laughs> down there when I was when I was very young. And it's just it just goes on and on. So, you know, you get that lovely minerality. You can almost manage, imagine the rugged mountains, rolling hills. And it just has that beautiful traditional taste. So this is Glendonic traditionally peated. I think when you say to some people peated, it would put them off, but actually this is really light and flavoursome. It's not heavy and because the peat's very different in different parts of Scotland. It is, it's the peat and it's it's the um, the level as well, because in the northeast of Scotland, again, completely related to the geography of the landscape, you know, the, the, there is some peat nearer to kind of Fivey and uh, just north of Tariff and St Fergus. But there's also a lot of coal. So it would have been kind of the coal and anthracite that would have been used as fuel 
to dry the barley in the, in the kiln, but there would have just been a bit of, of peat at the end as well, and this would have given them, you know, just what they wanted really for the the barley at Glendronach back in the the ni- early nineteenth century. Lovely, that's really good. I'm glad you like it. I'm going to try not to drink it all night. <laughs> I had to ask if you do you have a favourite because I hate when people say that. I mean, I love both of these. You know, I can't choose. You know, it's like choosing between my children. I think for different occasions, they'd be good. I think probably to just sit and sip the Glenglassa, yeah. but for some, maybe after a meal. Yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> I would be like you too. I mean, I think the octaves, is, when you go back to the octaves again, it's just so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, treacle toffee and pineapple cubes and salted caramel, of course. Mm-hmm. It's just so sweet. And then the traditionally your you're getting into something a little bit deeper, more mellow. And it feels like you're going down into that Valley of Fork where Glendonica is situated and and it has that, that kind of depth and that, that earthiness. So, yeah, beautiful with after dinner. I totally agree. Maybe um, after Christmas dinner with espresso coffee, some nice dark chocolates, maybe some walnuts thrown on an open fire. Sounds very sophisticated. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah, I don't know if my family will be doing that. <laughs> but, but no, yeah, it's lovely. Glad you enjoy it. Rachel, thank you very much for coming along and speaking to us today. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scran. If you like what you heard, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can listen to this podcast from whenever you get your podcast from or for more interactive content, please download the Entail app. 